Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. January of 2023, we are embarking on a journey through the Psalms with all my heart. The Psalms express every human emotion to God, from anger to joy, from resentment to acceptance. The poetry and prose and prayers show us that the psalmist didn't quite have God figured out either, but continued to pray and praise and trust. In this series on the Psalms, we'll talk about the beauty of these scriptures and where we might find the musings of our own hearts echoed. It still seems appropriate in this week that we are in a series on the Psalms where the psalmist cries out with every emotion before God. Some joy, some pain, some anguish, some wondering, some frustration, and all the in-between. Today we are taking a look at Psalm 15, which Stu read for us earlier. And you may notice that in the very first few verses of Psalm 15, there are two questions. And at the very end of Psalm 15, there is an answer to those questions. I don't have a bulletin in front of me, actually, or I would read you those questions exactly. But they say, who can abide in your tent, who will dwell in your temple. And at the end, we get an answer. But between verse 1 and the end, there is a list, maybe a list of check boxes between the questions and the answer. Who may abide with you? Who may dwell with you? The people who act in, these, in this way. This is a unique psalm because in this psalm there is no metaphor. There is no imagery. This is pretty straight laced. Here's how we should act. But if you look at those first two questions, if you scan over them, you may not realize that the psalmist is actually providing a nuance for us. The first question and the second question are just barely different from one another. Because first, the psalmist asked, who may abide in your tent? The second question is, who may dwell and your temple. So right off the bat, we are given two verbs, abide and dwell. And if you look a little bit closer, what the translation looks like is who will abide in your tent, who will dwell in your temple. When we talk about abiding, 
with one another. It's that we might provide solace to one another for a time. There's an old hymn, whenever I hear the word abide, I'm sure your mind went to it too, abide with me. Asking that God would come be with us, maybe for just that moment, maybe for a period of time. Asking God to abide with us. But there's also this word, dwell. Dwell. If you're comparing question against question, what the psalmist is saying is that we just don't want to abide near God in a tent, in a temporary time. What we are working towards as people of faith is that we want to dwell with God permanently in a built temple. Abiding in a tent versus dwelling in a temple. We want to live with God with permanence. But who may abide close to God? And then the next question that follows certainly is who may dwell near to God? In early scriptures, including Psalms, we are learning from a group of people that was nomadic. Hence the tent reference. We are learning from a people who moved from place to place, who you'll remember in Exodus followed God by either cloud by day or fire by night. These people were used to moving and moving and moving. And the truth is we feel like we're kind of separated from this nomadic life. But I guarantee you if I were to ask anyone in the room in some large some small way, you are in also some kind of life transition. We are always, always, always in some kind of life transition. Usually it's personal in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you have just moved into a new house or home or apartment Maybe you just got a new job that you are training on. Or maybe you are entering into the years of retirement and you're trying to figure out your identity past your profession. Maybe you are learning new capabilities of your body. Maybe you are discovering your body is aging and less able than it was a few decades ago. Maybe you're in a relationship, a new relationship, a changing relationship, an ending relationship. Maybe you have just experienced divorce or estrangement from a sibling. Maybe you are a new or an again parent or a new or an again grandparent. Maybe you are becoming financially independent Maybe you are struggling with coming out of addiction or in that recovery. Maybe you have a new baby in your home. Maybe just recently you have lost someone dear to you. Maybe you are a new church member or new around Ridgewood trying to figure out how to plug in. Maybe you've been here for decades and wondering, has your purpose here changed? The end of this psalm 
after talking to a people in transition, the end of the psalm says this, those who do these things will never be moved. But the truth is we can't stop the movement. What's that hairspray song? You can't stop the beat. We will always, always, always to a grand scale or a small one be in the midst of transition. So in those transitions, how do we know that we are permanently dwelling near God? Well, the psalmist tells us. In fact, the psalmist gives us a few points that point us to peace or assurance or understanding of where the heart of God desires us to be. Abiding sometimes, but for dwelling permanently. One of my uh, favorite movies, I guess it's not really a movie, to come back to when I just need a little pep talk is Hamilton, the, on, the onstage production. I see some nods. You've, you've maybe seen Hamilton, maybe heard the soundtrack. And as I was going through uh, these commandments of dwelling, you know what kept coming into my head? If you're, a, if you're a Hamilton fan, I think you'll understand this. If you're not, just let the next few minutes roll by, okay? Watch this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's the ten dual commandments. It's the ten dual commandments. Number one. The challenge demands satisfaction. If they apologize, no need for further action. Number two. If they don't, grab a friend. That's your second. The lieutenant. When there's reckoning to be reckoned. Number three. Have your seconds meet face to face. Negotiate a peace. Or negotiate a time and place. This is commonplace, especially between recruits. Most disputes die and no one shoots. Number four. If they don't reach a peace, that's all right. Time to get some pistols and the doctor on site. You pay him in advance, you treat him with civility. You have him turn around so he can have deniability. Five! Go before the sun is in the sky. Pick a place to die where it's high and dry. Leave a note for your next to kin. Tell him where you've been. Pray that hella heaven lets you in. Confess your sins ready for the moment of adrenaline. Alexander. Aaron Burr, sir. Can we agree that duels are dumb and immature? Sure, but your man has to answer for his words, Burr. With his life, we both know that's absurd, sir. Hang on, how many men died because Lee was inexperienced and ruinous? Okay, so we're doing this. Look him in the eye, ain't no higher. Summon all the courage you require. Then count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Number ten, pace is Follow me here, okay? The ten dual, I had to check my notes, the ten dual commandments. It seems like in Psalm 15, we're given the 8 to 10-ish dwell 
commandments. But I feel like this could be put into a Hamilton song with dance so we could all stick them in our minds. Number one, walk blamelessly. Number two, do what is right. Number three, speak truth from their heart. Number four, do not slander. Number five, do no evil to friends. Number six, do not take up reproach for neighbors. Number seven, do not lend money with interest. Number eight, do not take a bribe against the innocent. I would really love if Lin-Manuel Miranda could put those to music as, I think I have eight here, the eight dwell commandments. But if we were to water them down just a bit, it talks about how we are to live honestly. There's no imagery, there's no metaphor. We are supposed to live as honest people. Number two, we are supposed to speak positively. There's a, there's a phrase in the song that you all uh, sang earlier. We will guard each one's dignity and save each one's pride. We are to speak positively about our neighbors. And then lastly, that to do with money. Don't seek personal gain. Realize that with money comes power. The psalmist is aware that money can warp relationships. So the question remains, to be with God temporarily or to dwell with God permanently? The psalmist says we are supposed to seek truth and live by it. We are supposed to speak positively about others. And we are to be aware of our own tendencies toward gaining or maintaining power and hierarchy. It's all about a temporary peace versus a lasting change. Psalm 15 in the Psalter is actually used, has been used historically as an entrance liturgy or a community hymn. That is to say, if you're coming before God in worship, if you're entering the temple, if you're entering the sanctuary, here is the demeanor that you're supposed to enter in. But really, Psalm 15 reflects two other passages. The first is Leviticus 6, 1 through 6, chapters 1 through 6. I know all of you know Leviticus by heart, but I want to remind you of Leviticus 1 through 6, the rules for entering into the temple, or I'm sorry, the rules for atonement, I should say. The first rule in Leviticus is that you recognize someone else's hurt. This is for interpersonal uh, atonement. You recognize that someone else has been hurt. That is the first rule that God gives. Recognize their emotions. Recognize the hurt that they are feeling. In other words, the first rule God gives us is to empathize, right? Secondly, realize if you have been the one to create harm. That's a tough one. Number three, earnestly and honestly seek restoration. Believe from your heart and your core that you want to make this right. Number four, repay or establish whatever it means to rebuild trust or break even. Number five, 
only then, once you have done all the other four, go to a priest with your sacrifice. And number six, the priest will make the atonement for you. You cannot enter into the temple in Leviticus, but you cannot even bring a sacrifice until you have recognized the hurt, decide that you have created that hurt, and then say, I want to make this right. What if we did that on Sunday mornings? I wonder if our pews might be empty. But also, this psalm echoes into Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, where the vast majority of Jesus' sermon is talking about anger, lust, retaliation, loving your enemies, praying, fasting, storing wealth, judging others, the golden rule. The majority of Christ's teaching on the mount is how we are to interact with others. How we treat and interact with those who are close to us and those who we, we think of as enemies has a direct correlation to our relationship and worshiping God. The beauty of the Psalms is that they tie together this ancient faith of the earliest instructions for how to permanently be close to God. And the words of the word to us. Even long ago, somewhere amidst a nomadic people, God provided a sense of stability. So know that whatever transition you find yourself in, God desires your full presence and peace. If you are seeking a peace, even amidst your transitions, may I recommend the eight dwelling commandments. But I want to end today with saying we want peace in the world, right? We all want world peace. But I think what the psalmist says is that if we want peace in the world, begin in our own hearts. We do what is right. We seek for the truth. We recognize power and privilege where it stands, and we earnestly try to make a change. God, help us. God, make us better. Amen.